Yes, people, it is episode 244 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? Are you well? Um, yeah, it's Sunday. Um, good day for football. Tottenham won, 2-1. The Wrestlers won. That's my football team, the Wrestlers Football Club. We're named after a pub, not after the job we do. Uh, so the pub's called the Wrestlers. That's We don't even go to that pub. That's the name of the club. We're, we're not a bunch of wrestlers. Um, you know, which we get the banter from the other teams, you know, when we make a foul, what, should we guess by the name? Very funny. But I mean, fair enough, the joke's there. Um, but yes, we won. We won 5-0 in the County Cup first round. So uh, we're through to the next round. Great performance. Um, clean sheet, that's all I care about. Play centre-back, 90 minutes, obviously. Um, our our defence is solid. Now, it's good. It's a good little unit. We've got the five of us, including the goalkeeper. It's fun. Um, nice team spirit. Everyone likes each other at the moment. And to be fair, we lost we lost our first two games. And we still came out liking each other. So, um, it's good. It's good. Um, what else has been going on uh, this week in, in my life? Um, in my life. Gigged yesterday at Top Secret. The Saturday afternoon show that we do, Banter Bash, um, which was fun, uh, really fun. Tried some new bits in in between some established bits, and you could just tell the the established bits is just like the roof came off, and then the new bits, people were like you what? So that's the fun. That's the fun of doing new bits. Um, you know, got to build up some more new material and stuff. Uh, if I do want to do an hour. Um, next year at some point maybe we'll see we'll see i don't know we'll see here we call there's no need to rush it the art comes when the art comes okay so no need to rush that um what else has been going on uh in my life oh sorry after that gig um we we had some absolute prime um what can i be called white woman in really where it's four of us in the pub, um, me, my friend Philio, who's a black man, an African-American, uh, my friend Jay, who is a white man, looks like Jesus, and then my friend Deprezzo, who is off-white, Virgil Oblow. <laughs> he's, uh, he's off-white, he's a dirty white, um, he, he's half Portuguese, half Italian. Dirty white. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what it is. So, you know, he's technically white, but a racist might not like him. It's one of those ones. Um, but yeah. But um, so there's four of us. We just sat in the corner of a pub, chilling, having a good time, chatting about plans. And uh, the door opens to the pub and this white lady drenched in the rain because it was absolutely caning it down with rain that day. And she was struggling to get through the door. She had the suitcase struggling to get through the door. And I was thinking, why is she struggling to get through the door? Uh, something's not right here. And But nothing came across me to help her. I was like, I don't know what's happening here. But just she doesn't seem with it. She comes in. And she's just staring a bit vacantly at people. I'm just like, ah, oh, right, she's she's hammered. She's hammered. But hey, so what? It's your life. Do what you want. Do as you please. It's your right to be hammered at 4pm. I mean, I ain't mad at you. I've been there before. I think I'd be more hammered at an earlier time. So, 
she proceeds to walk towards the bar. And she's on the phone. Then she hands the phone to Filio and says, tell my friend where I am. Can you tell my friend where I am? She wasn't actually rude in, in words, just in action. She said, can you tell my friend where I am? And then she kind of just handed the phone to Filio and then just carried on making her order at the bar. Filio was like, I don't want to take your phone away. He wasn't rude. He goes, no, thank you. Here's your phone back. She looked at him like he was the rudest man in the world. She even said, oh my God, so rude. Now, she never said these words, but the whole attitude stank of entitlement. The whole attitude was, look, nigger, work for me. <laughs> it was, look, slave, do work. Yeah, that's a boy. Do the, it, was, it was odd to come in and out of just hand the phone. Duh. Like, I just thought it was just, it was just odd behaviour, like from the sense of entitlement, from the sense of, is your phone not going to get robbed? You don't just hand your phone to a stranger in central London. But it's just the sense of, I'm going to walk in and someone's going to do this job for me. Tell, tell my friends, he didn't know. So she was now infuriated by Filio's insubordination. <laughs> right? So because of this, rather than her just carry of her day she decides to now sit next to the four of us the four of us are sat like in a in a square like we are imagine sat around a table but no table so we're all facing each other she sat behind deprezzo and and filio so we're chatting away and we're like looking at each other we ain't said anything we're all looking at each other all communicating with our eyes going oh my god why she sat behind us but i haven't said anything and then she's gone uh like you're so rude to... and we was like what so he's so rude. and they start trying to talk to Prezzo to try and get him on side but how rude Filio is um and then Deprezzo's like I just, I'm not talking to you and we just carried on talking then she targeted Jay because Jay's just looking at her just like what the fuck is your problem and then she goes uh yeah mate but how busy <laughs> Sorry, my phone's so loud, so that's going to be on the... <laughs> he said, how busy are you? And he was like, what? He's like, your phone. Your phone's not busy. No one cares. He's like, what? So your phone's not busy. My phone is so busy because I'm so important. And he was like, great. And as she says that, she goes to sit down, completely misses her seat and pours drink all over herself. Just collapsed on the floor. Uh, I laugh because she can't see my face. Um, all, the other three just try to hold their laughter in. The rest of the pub looks over at us. It looks like one of us has maybe pushed her over. But they saw what happened. And luckily half the people in the pub had just come from our gig. So they'd seen us. We're like the most famous people in the pub. Um, <laughs> so she falls over. Uh, the bar staff come over like, what's happened? And we're like, we don't know. She's trying to talk to us. We don't want to talk to her. We haven't even told her to go away. And then she tried to sit down. She fell over. So they're like, okay. So they help her back up. And then she proceeds to tell us, no one cares what you've got to say. We're like, what? She says, no one cares what you've got to say. You're not talking. No one gives a shit what you've got to say. And we're like, um... Literally, there's four of us having a conversation, so that's at least four people who care what we've got to say, whereas none of us care what you've got to say. But she was just so messy. 
And then she hands the phone to DePrezzo and says, could you tell my friend that where I am and that I love her? And DePrezzo got the phone and said, listen, come pick up your mate. She's drunk and she's embarrassing herself. Um, then handed the phone back. She's like, you told her I, I love her, right? And he was just like, here's your phone. And then the bar staff came over and they kind of, you know, treated her like a pet. Um, me, me and Felix said, well, I'm going to the toilet, but I'm trying not to make eye contact with this woman in case she tries to talk to me. Because I, here's the thing about me, right? Strangers feel very comfortable talking to me. I'm always asked for directions. I'm always asked for the time. I'm always asked, do I know where something is? Uh, that's just, that's, I don't know, something about my face that either looks like I'm knowledgeable or I'm approachable. Or I will do as you ask. Don't know what it is. Right? But I've also got a very good way of just switching it off where no one talks to me. And out of all four of us, I was the only one she didn't engage with. Because I just refused to make eye contact with her. I was like, no, no, no. Then me and Fila head to the toilet. And then we're coming back and she's been escorted to a different part of the bar. Given a glass of water. And, you know, being taken care of. And we was playing, then so the four of us there were playing with the dynamics. It's hilarious. I feel like I'm going, look at this white woman, white woman in. And Jay, being the white guy there, goes, can we please stop saying she's white woman in and just concentrate on her being a woman? <laughs> he didn't want any of this to be a part of him. He goes, no, you're not going to get a white guy come in and start leaning into someone's conversation and start trying to dictate it again. You're boring. And he said, hilariously, Jay, that happened to me in Filio. Uh, where he was on a train once, and there's this Irish guy who said he was disgusted at the way we spoke about women. And uh, me, Phil, and Kazim uh, were all sat there, and uh, we didn't object to what he said at first. We we actually took a rain check. We stopped and goes, wait a minute, what have we been saying about women? Because we were thinking, oh, maybe we told a joke and we could defend it as a joke. Then we realised we hadn't been talking about women. So he was like, what are you talking about, mate? And he goes... Yeah, the way you talk about women, you think of big men, don't you? And he's like, mate, why are you talking like you want to fight? Because you don't want to fight. And he's just like, well, I just think you lot are pieces of shit. This woman who was sat on the train looks across at us and goes, I don't know what he's talking about. And he's like, thank you. So, I don't know. I, I'm not blaming that on him being white. I'm blaming that on him being very drunk. This woman, very drunk. But I don't know if there's something about the way she behaved. It was just like, I, I don't think you'd see a, a man behave like that. I don't think you'd see um, a woman of any other race behave in such a way. It's crazy. But it's the, the pub's reaction to her. They took care of her. I do think that is to do in light of recent events. Her being a woman. We, they know they can't just turf out of the street. There's nutcases out there. I wouldn't expect them to turf her out. But it's just interesting though. It's like, um, and Jay made a really good point. He goes, you know, when women say men are pieces of shit and they hate men, it's because the men they've interacted with are the male equivalent of her. Like, he goes, think about it. He goes, think about how, like, if we were, if we weren't men, if we weren't bigger than her, how intimidating, how annoying she would be, what a nuisance she would be, that she kept just imposing herself on the situation. And he's like, go away. They know a man doesn't take no for an answer. She was essentially not taking no for an answer without ever asking a question. So no could never be an answer. Yes could even be an answer because there was no question. She was just there. There's an irritant. 
and stuff. But um, it's just interesting, the dynamics of it all. But well, I was talking about recent events. Obviously, uh, PC Wayne Cousins has been given life, uh, full life term for his ridiculous crime, um, which I think is fair. I think it's fair. Um, it was interesting. It also got me onto like a wormhole looking at full life terms and how they're handed out. And I think traditionally they're handed out, used by the Home Secretary. Uh, based on, you know, just m- people who've done multiple murders. Some of this is just a bit more, no other word, a bit more devilish with their crime. You know, it's like, it's, it's not just you've murdered someone, it's you've chopped them up. It's not that you just, you know what I mean, you've raped someone, you've kidnapped them, you've had them for fucking, like, weeks on end. It's 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 just, sorry, it's just a bit more demonic. Yeah, it's, it's just not a straight crime. It's not, uh, it's not even like a... A mental healthy it's just sadistic it's just like horrible and this what this was man this was uh, such a horrible crime and i said it's not about comparing life flight with other crimes um i said it's good to side by side that you're going to detail it as you know crimes against women uh but this crime was particularly heinous though right he's a police officer he's arrested her using his authority as a police officer arrested her which now essentially has kidnapped her uh, tortured, raped her, and, and killed her, and then took his kids to the site of the burial on holiday. And he was just very calm, bought snacks after he killed her. It's just like, what on earth is going on in this guy's mind? And the police's reaction to it is understandable, right? Because you know, I've seen a lot of black people talk about, you know, uh, it, it's funny how people now not trusting the police. It's like, that's not true. That's not true. The masses are now not trusted police. That's not true. The masses have always not trusted police. And when I say masses, let's talk about the majority of people in this country, which are poor white people. And if you know poor white people like I do, I'm from Harlow, Essex, uh, you'll know that poor white people do not like the police. (laughs) They don't. Um, Just as much as black people, I don't know. But they don't like them. Where do you think these terms like rosas, pigs, bake, that, that these, this, that's not just hip hop that's come from. That's, that's from working class towns. They don't like the fuzz. They don't like the police. Scum. They don't like them. It's, it's, it's always been a thing. Why? Because poor people are forced into criminality regardless of race. So poor people don't tend to like the police. Because poor people are the have-nots. So when they want to have something, they tend to have to go a certain way that's technically criminal, but not really harming anyone, you know? It's one of those ones. So the masses have always distrusted the police. If anything, it's probably your middle classes who grew up going, police are good guys. Uh, Remember, as kids, you all thought police are good guys. But the middle classes, their interaction with police has always been a nice interaction you know whereas when you're working class you you know the police are there they're they're scattering your fun and um and yeah it's it's the thing of like a lot lot of black people feel a sense of frustration though which i understand of you know oh now the police are being uh being looked at but here's the thing i don't think they will be looked at in in any particular way because it's very easy for the police to go this is a lone wolf this this guy is not one of us uh to be fair how the police have dealt with it 
they dealt with the investigation very well, right? It was like a blue wall of silence that came up. It wasn't like he's one of our own and this is, you know, it weren't that. It was, right, we're investigating. And think about how quick it's been. It's been quite quick for an investigation from crime to he's now behind bars. Very quick. So what was I saying? Um, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be... Um, the city police dealt with it, dealt with it very quickly and stuff, and they've, they've made it very lone wolf thing, right? Like, it's not going to be seen as... Uh, well, they're trying to definitely not present it as any kind of institutionalised thing. That I think the police are going to look at it and go, hey, look, look, look how quickly we've dealt with it. So, trust the police. But here's the thing. Well, you can't trust the police. You can trust police, obviously, but you can't trust the police in this sense. Is because of two things. Uh, one, it is an institutional thing, right? It is an institutional thing in the sense of the vetting um, of this guy. When you've got all these stories coming out about him, that you know that if the police wanted to find that stuff out about you, they could. Uh, so you think they'd want to find out about people joining the police, right? The guy's nickname in a previous job was The Rapist. Um, that's not a nickname. That's definitely not a nickname. So here's, uh, here's the idea about a nickname. If uh, if you got a nickname and someone called you it in front of... Uh, it's how people would react to your nickname who don't know what your nickname... Who don't know why you've got a nickname. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah? I've had some questionable nicknames. Uh... But I think I'd be happy to explain every nickname I've ever had uh, to my wife. Whether she'd want to hear the nickname or hear the story, I don't know. But I'd feel comfortable. Um, I don't know. Maybe he would feel comfortable discussing with people why he was called the rapist. But he was literally called the rapist because of how his contact with women. It's like the guy was a creep. He, he, He did... He had a disproportionate amount of uh, traffic stops for women drivers. Take the details down. They'd be outside the house, just watching them. Um, they try. Uh, they, they released that apparently he used to he certain racist, homophobic, and misogynistic texts. But listen, the uh, adding that detail, I don't. Know, it's like finding out that Hitler didn't recycle. It's just like we 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 get. It. He's a bad guy. Is um, but the fact of the matter is, it's not the nature of the text. Is is where he send those texts, and he send them to colleagues within the institute. Now I know that I've got colleagues who I've worked with who we probably have said inappropriate things in the terms of if we was representing the company, and it would bring the company into disrepute, right? And I would feel uh. And I feel it's a way of bonding, sure, to talk, you know, locker room chat to your colleagues. But I also have always accepted that if my if I wrote something down, so it's one thing talking about it in the pub, but if I'm writing it down, for example, let's say something trivial, like a lot of men do this, and um, you know, here's the thing, not, I'll, I'll talk about it fully. A lot of men do this. You work in the workplace with men and women. And as men in the pub, your locker room chat goes, who's in your top three? Who's your top three most attractive women in the workplace? And you're all discussing 
the six or seven women who are moderately attractive and you're trying to rank them and it's like, yeah, she's fit, she's fit, blah, 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 blah. Now, harmless chatter, I suppose it is. As a bloke, I've been indoctrinated to think it's harmless chatter. However, if I wrote this down in an email or an instant messenger and it's now on work email, it's on the work phone, and someone finds it. Not even one of the women on the list or one of the women off the list. Someone finds it and they go, Darren, hey, child wants to talk to you. I wouldn't be like, oh, it's just banter. I'd be like, yeah, you know, fair enough. That I can't talk like that. Because I know that it's not appropriate to talk like that. Same way I wouldn't talk about it like, talk about that in the office. I wouldn't talk about that to someone who I don't know. I talk about it to people I'm friends with, but see what I mean? Same like talking about your weekend. You don't talk about your weekend to your boss. Now it's like, yeah, I did a lot of coke this weekend. To your boss. Would you say to one of your mates in the office who you may, may go out with now and again? Probably. But you wouldn't say it to your boss. And it's what is what my point I'm trying to make is, is we all talk inappropriately. But it's your sense of... Um, okay your freedom to do it use your sense of when it's okay to talk like that if you're feeling it's okay to talk like that on your work phone then there's something wrong either with you and or the work environment that you're in that it should be a part of you that goes i shouldn't really say this but if you're freely talking racistly and homophobically misogynistically like is the me ranking women isn't misogynistic. Um, it's it's not hated women. Sexist, yeah, 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 definitely sexist. Not misogynistic, not hated women. I'm not saying sexism is is, is better, but I'm saying that it is knowing that you can't do it. I've done it knowing I can't do it, but doing it thinking, well, why not? I can't even imagine writing something like that's actually offensive. Like, even was writing it down, like, it's just nuts. It's really, it's really nuts to me. Really, really nuts. But even if it wasn't, even if it was just a personal thing, if I just said, you know, uh, Steve is a prick, and Steve is someone I work with, if I wrote that in an email, again. I'd expect to be sacked. I wouldn't write in an email. So, or in a WhatsApp group with work people. So, it get, it's, it's nuts. It really is nuts to, uh, to do that. As I said, it shows there's, there's an issue with the Institute. So, there is an institutional problem. And then, yes, the police dealt with the crime itself well. But it hasn't really dealt with the public, the public's response to the crime. Women, they've told women that, listen, if you've got an issue and you believe the police officer's not a real police officer, call the police. Good one. Now, I guess it kind of makes sense if a police officer's on their own. You might be thinking, okay, why are you on your own? Where's your colleagues? But, um, but here's the thing. But if I don't trust police, why would I then call the police? I need someone more independent. And the police sense that. So go, hey, you are scared that they're not a real police officer. Knock on someone's door. Or hail a bus. You what? What are you talking about? 
So a policeman's trying to arrest me and I meant to go, sorry mate, don't really believe you're a police officer, so I'm just going to hop on this bus. But arrest me later, mate. What was that going to happen? Like, black people, please don't follow this advice. You will get arrested for resisting arrest. So don't do it. It won't hold up in court if you said I wasn't sure he was a police officer. Don't, don't, don't do this, okay? You will get maced, tasered and beaten. Do not do it. And it's, and it's been poorly handled in that respect, like in a public forum. I mean, Chris said the dick, Chris the dick, so she did the uh, public apology, which I felt bad for her apology because Naomi watched this goes, oh, that was so wooden, so wooden, no emotion. She's doing all these false, uh, these false pauses and stuff. And I go, nah, it is is a shit apology. It's a shit statement. I go, however, because it's such a big statement, she's going to have to rehearse it. And the more you rehearse it, unless you're an actor, all the real emotion comes out of it. So the first time, she she would have maybe have wrote that herself. Probably not, actually. That's like Big departments have a PR team, a marketing team, and go, this is your statement. Read off the paper. Do not read anything else. You know what I mean? The legal team and the PR team would have worked together. This is a statement. Read that. And... Uh, and she would have read it with some real emotion when she first read it. But after the 20th practice, it's like, we are deeply sad. It's like, okay, brilliant. Fantastic. Thank, thanks for that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a mess. Um, you know, will, will they deal with female crimes, crimes against women better going forward? Hopefully. Hopefully this is... Without protest, you you got to have, I guess, these tragedies, really. But I say without protest, they had the protest. They had the protest in, in, in the park where the police went heavy-handed against those who had been protested. So, and that's the thing about protest, right? You got the insulate Britain people as well protested. I had this conversation with one of my bloody WhatsApp groups, and it's an issue I always have with protesting and riots and any kind of strikes, anything like that. I guess they're all protests. Is uh is everyone reacts to the protesters action and not what they're actually talking about and it's it's so infuriating to me like in this group of in they're like fuck those guys shut in the m25 they're pricks hope they get run over by a lorry da, 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 da. And i'm like cool well what's your view on climate change and, and home insulation they're like they're fucking pricks i'm like right so you have no actual opinion on the thing that they're protesting. You're just mad that they're protesting. Is that they're stopping working class people getting to work? I'm like, they are. But here's the thing about protests. Protests aren't meant to be convenient. I think I said this, I may have said this last week. But I'll say it every time. It's the whole point of a protest. Yeah? It's like when teachers strike, when uh, rail staff strike, and the train lines get shut down. People are like, oh, these pricks, lazy pricks, money-grabbing pricks. Do you know the average driver gets paid? Duh, 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 duh. Why are they striking? Yeah, it's like, you're asking why they're striking. Why don't you tell me? If you're so mad at them striking, surely you just disagree what they're striking about then, no? But you don't even know what they're striking about. You're just pissed off that they're striking. And here's the thing. People claim that it's like, oh, oh no, I'll get paid this much and... You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm so poor, I don't get paid a lot. But it's your attitude that has weakened trade unions that used to protect you. 
I mean, the trade unions have been weakened now because of your attitude, your apathy to actual protest. That's when you have to, even if you don't agree with someone's protest, it's like you've got to, for me, I'll always try to be pragmatic, yeah? I remember when, oh, I can't remember who it was, protest, it's Extinction Rebellion, doing a protest and they shut the Jubilee line down. I needed the Jubilee line. I had to take another route to work. It added a good 30, 40 minutes to my journey to work. Fuming. Yeah, I was annoyed. But I still wasn't actually mad at Extinction Rebellion. I still wasn't mad at, like, fuck those guys. I wasn't, I didn't feel like that. It's a massive inconvenience, I get it. But if they think their cause is worth it, then you've got to understand, it's like, act. I don't always have to agree with your actions, but... Let me, I'll take some interest though into why you're acting in a certain way. Unless it's taken to the, the extreme. Terrorism. Terrorism. Terrorism is terrible. We, I don't want people blowing shit up and killing people. No, I don't. Of course I don't want that. But then you don't just go, fuck the terrorists. Well, you can do that. But what I'm saying is, there's got to be another question after going, why are they behaving like that? Why does it keep happening? It's all just, they're fucking pricks. That's not the answer. So why they? Oh, they're upset about Western powers being in their country, blowing up their schools and hospitals. This person's whole family were annihilated by an airstrike. Look, you know what I mean? An airstrike that was looking for one terrorist in the area ended up wiping out 20 civilians, which happened to be their whole family. Oh, they've grown up with a bit of resentment to the people who dropped the bomb. Now they've blown up. Uh, now they've blown up a shopping centre in my country. The, respect, the response to that people, average person, fucking pricks, terrorists. So yeah, I get it, very emotional. But if it's the, if the issue is we're in their country and your thing is actually I don't want my you know people the army being in their country either. Oh, then guess what? Your views actually align. You might not agree in the action, but your views align. Where you can put some pressure on your government. Ask someone today, yeah, what what should interstate Britain people do rather than, you know, shut down the M25? Get it. Uh, granted, it's annoying, right? Uh, but I said that's the whole point of the protest. It's meant to be annoying. So it gets attention. It gets media attention. People know what you're talking about. And their response was, yeah, because I said this. This was my full response. I said, well, here's the issue. It's either... The government continue with their lie. Because in-state Britain basically want homes to be insulated by a certain... You think about 2030. All homes be insulated by 2030, right? They want a government initiative to do that. Now, here's the thing. Um, it's either the government continue with their lie and say that individuals are causing global warming and we all need to do our part recycling as individuals and global warming, you know what I mean? And turning off our heating and all that stuff, right? They have to continue that lie to protect their corporations and the money that they get for their political parties because it's really corporations that cause the most global warming. You know, like how the lockdown, we all stopped flying and stuff, but global warming didn't stop. We all stopped driving our cars, but global warming and emissions didn't stop. Why? Because these big corporations with their factories and their facilities were still smashing out toxins into the air. Okay, you see what I mean, right? And it's obviously not us as individuals. So we've got to continue that lie. 
right? And if they do continue that lie, then they should listen to what Instate Britain is saying and go, Instate our houses. Or they tell the truth and go, Instate Britain, get the fuck off the motorway. That's not going to fix anything because it's actually my mate who runs that multi-billion pound company over there who's fucking up the, the environment, right? The response I got to that was what they should do, they should protest outside the Chinese embassy because it's the Chinese creating the most pollution. And I said, well, yeah, Chinese are creating a lot of pollution. They're not, they didn't sign the Kyoto Protocol, granted. But uh, I don't think the Chinese government care about homes being insulated in Britain. So not an effective protest. Plus, I don't know where the Chinese embassy is. It probably would have inconvenienced me or anyone. Um, so no. How about that? You know, it, it just it wouldn't work out. Plus, the government would be in the back pocket, would be in the pocket of you know Chinese corporations and Chinese money. So the government would be like, don't do that. You're fucking up my money. So you know, it's just um, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's it's, it's annoying um, how people react to protests. It it, it bugs me. Um, but yeah, we're talking about being on the motorway, petrol. You know, last week I said I was very smug. I had half a tank of petrol. I didn't need any. I was wrong. I actually had a quarter tank of petrol and I drove a few miles and then my refill light came on. Uh, not not the emergency one, but the ones like you, you need to think about refueling your car. Um, and I drove to a good few petrol stations and they were either shut, had police there shutting them, or it was a madness to try and get in. So I just didn't bother. Then I woke up early on Sunday morning um, at 8 o'clock. only had to queue for 10 minutes. And so it's not been that bad. It hasn't really affected me. I've, I've still seen some absolute monstrous queues for petrol. And it's funny because when you're in the queue for petrol... Uh, well, when you're driving past petrol stations, sorry, you look at everyone and go, you wankers, look at you panic buying... Uh, but when you're in the queue, when you're just a normal person uh, buying petrol, you then realise no one outside the queue can tell the difference. They can't differentiate between the panic buying wankers and someone who actually just needs fuel in their car because that's what cars need. Um, but yeah, it was just a fun realisation. But I oh man, it's, it's again, it's all seemed very conceited the, the petrol. Thing. I'm, I'm hearing rumours that. Uh, it was just Tesco and BP wanting um, visa licenses. So visas are more easily uh, granted to foreign workers, lorry drivers. I so saw one conspiracy theory saying fuel runs out, it expires. Um, fuel expires and that, um, and that it needed it to be used and it wanted it in our cars rather than in the petrol stations. So it was their ingenious plan because people didn't buy fuel in the lockdown. They got us to buy the fuel. Ooh. I mean, it's that's one thing about conspiracy theories is they they the good ones make sense. I think that that does make sense. I mean, I don't even know if fuel expires. I, I haven't researched that. I didn't I didn't bother. But um, we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, we've, we've run out of fuel. Nando's run out of chicken. They've run out of Iron Brew in Scotland. That's when you've got to be scared. That's when you've got to rebuild Hadrian's Wall. And because 
it was the Scottish, I don't know what Braveheart was about exactly, but I'm telling you, it will look like Braveheart if you don't get there, there I am Nah, look, um, it's mad, it is it's mad, and I know none of the government wants to say the B word, no one wants to say it's because of the B word, what's the B word? Brexit, Brexit, that, that's, that's the B word. Brexit. All right. So um, that's 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 really what is to blame, right? It just makes perfect sense if it is Brexit. Right. Hey, what do I know? Anyway, what else has been going on? Oh, Kelly. Oh, Kelly's been bloody uh, found guilty, racketeering, and sex offences. Think total of hundred years he may serve. In prison he's now saying there's loads of other people involved and he's going to snitch I, I love that one um when people say i want to snitch is, is that from the goodness of your heart robert not at all because you could have said it at any moment but no no you're like i can't be the only one going down it's funny though because um if you say i'm going to snitch why aren't you just snitching because you want to use it as a bargaining tool but it always reminds you of those people in the night out go i'm going to smack you and then it's uh it's like well nah the people i know you know the real wrongens the proper wrongens from my area they don't tell you what they're gonna do you're there just confused how it got there because you don't know what the build-up was you're just there having a drink and suddenly he just gets up and just launches across the bar and punches a guy in the face you're like where the fuck did that come from it's only after they give you the story. He said this to me outside in the beer garden, yeah? He said this, and then he pushed my sister, so I fucking smirked him. It's like, all right, okay, now that makes sense. Because he didn't give it up. I'm going to smack. No, no, I'm smacking you. So it's this way he's with R. Kelly's. Like, you said, I'm going to snitch. No, you're not. Anyway, he says, I'm going. You're not going to do it. Because you want what? You want your sentence reduced? What you want? You want to have a nice prison cell I understand you're desperate desperate no one wants to go to prison as a paedophile no one wants to go to prison as a you know as a child a child uh, abuser no no one's going to prison as a child a rich child abuser you will get extorted he will get extorted differently guy can't read either so he'll be signing contracts that he he should not be signing so I'm sad for him, uh, but I won't be sad for him. Um, but one thing I do find odd, though, is, you know, is people's need to announce that they're still going to listen to his music. Or people's need to announce that they're not going to listen to his music. Shut up. <laughs> Unless you're a DJ or a radio station and you're an... You don't even have to announce it then. Just do it or don't do it. Like... You don't have to announce what you're doing. Do I listen to R. Kelly's music? I not not uh, I don't go out of my way. But I've heard his songs so they're in my head. I'm not gonna forget them. You know what I mean? So the guy yeah. The guy's a deviant. Can you separate the art from the artist? Um if you want. Um but I mean the guy's an animal, and he doesn't have to be up for debate. 
you'd have to, if you bring in the music to say I'm still listening to his music, it's like you're trying to almost say uh, my love for his music is way more important than whatever the victims have been through. When they could actually be separate issues, then you're going to cry that people are putting the issues together. No, you put the issues together, rude boy, because no one asks you to for your opinion. But you you forced it onto everyone that hey, I'm going to listen to his music. It's such a weird thing to say. Uh, you know what I mean, I die. It's it's odd. It's odd to me, man. But um, what else been going on? I mean, anything else been going on in the world that I've got um that I've got written down? Um, well, actually, I'm talking about R. Kelly. Yeah, another thing as well. What you need to not do is what about? You know, they see our kids, they're trying to attack a black man, trying to bring a black man down. It's like, come on, guys, this ain't the guy we're, we're going we're gonna to get behind. You know what I mean? We're not backing this one. Let them have this one. Okay, this is a good one for them to have. And that, whenever something like this happens, the response isn't, oh, he shouldn't be arrested because Roman Polanski wasn't arrested. It's like, no, 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 it should be, he is arrested, good. Now go and arrest Roman Polanski. That's the response. Not let R. Kelly free. The fucking menace. Um, I don't know. Ah, man. Too many stupid people um, allowed an opinion. Um, a lot of people are going, what about Prince Andrew? Look. Hopefully he gets his comeuppance. He's going to be nuts if he does. I'll tell you that. I'm not expecting it, but it'd be nuts if he does. But, um, but yeah. Prince Andrew Eyewitness is prepared to testify in a sexual assault case. Um, Sukri Walker is reportedly prepared to discuss Prince Andrew's actions against his accuser, Virginia Gufre, on the night he claimed he was at Pizza Express in Woking in 2001. I mean, it, this is what happens. When, you have, when you're saying you weren't somewhere, unless your alibi is true, don't come with all the details. Because the moment he says he was in Pizza Express in Woking at a birthday party. Now, they're going to know whose birthday party. Now, they're going to ask his daughter, you, you were there. What birthday party? If your dad remembers he was at a birthday party, you must remember you was at the birthday party. Which friend was it? Now, you've got to look at a friend. Now, you've got to work out the friend's date of birth. Now, you've got to work out if it's reasonable that they're going to have a birthday party at that time. If they were ever in Woking. Now, you've got to try and find out if you're in Woking. Now, you've got to find out who was working in Woking Pizza Express at that time. Because guess what? you got to know if fucking Prince Andrew came in. Yeah? It's funny no one's come out and go, yeah, I remember seeing him there. No one's come out and said that. Fucking Royal Prince in your Pizza Express. You think someone mentioned it, right? I didn't even know Pizza Express was in the UK in 2001, to be fair. I didn't even know. Probably was, but I just didn't know it was. Um, but no, it's it's just nuts. I, I mean, it'd be great if he does get nicked as well. It'd be great if he gets nicked. Uh, right. I think, that's, uh, I think that's it. I think we've got some Dear Deirdre to do. And, um, right, get some Dear Deirdre on. Oh, let's go. Dear Deirdre. Um, right, I, I get a buzz from sexting with men online, but my man would be gutted if he knew. Um, dear Deirdre, the thrill when I get a flirty message on my phone makes me happy for hours, but my boyfriend would be gutted if he knew. I realise I shouldn't be chatting or date, chatting on dating apps and certainly shouldn't be arranging to meet men, but I'm hooked on the attention. Right, so are you actually going to meet them or are you just like talking to them? 
mean, talks are bad, but I'm just trying to understand how deep down the rabbit hole does it go? Um, I started trawling through dating apps where my boyfriend went back to the office after working at home. Ooh, I loved having, <laughs> um, I loved having him. Anyway, I'm going back to the office soon, so um, I might have to smash up Naomi's phone. Um, no, <laughs> I love having him in the house and get bored out of my mind. Now it's back to long days on my own with my daughter. I love her, of course. She, but singing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" over and over drives me mad. I'm 28, my daughter is three, and my boyfriend is 31. We've been together for five years. It could be worse though. Okay, that wasn't a, it could be worse, though, moment there. He <laughs> just listed some facts. I'm 28, my daughter is free, and my boyfriend's 31. I've been together for five years. It could be worse, though. That's a weird thing to say at that moment. Like, it's not like someone's died or someone's ill, and then, you you know, you're trying to put a silver line into the clouds. You just, well, yeah, it could be worse. Like, that was the moment where it's bad. Um, I could be having, oh, sorry, I see, man. I could be having a full-blown affair. My neighbour is really fit and we often chat as his girl, who he has at weekends, is the same age as mine. One morning we were having a coffee and as I was leaving, he stroked my bum and went in for a kiss. Jesus. I was shocked but found myself passionately kissing him back. We send sexy messages on Snapchat all the time but we haven't taken it any further. Jesus. He is there just texting with a boner. I wonder if he could beat up your boyfriend in a fight. I'm not sure, does that make it more thrilling or not? If you're flirting with a woman who has a boyfriend, you could beat up if you're flirting with a woman whose boyfriend is like a MMA fighter. Not even a champion, just a fighter. So he doesn't have the discipline. He, he won't let you tap out. Your arm is being ripped out of the socket. I don't know, does that make it more thrilling? Who knows? He sent me a video of himself getting undressed. It was so hot. He said it was a little gift for me. Now he's asking for a special thank you message. Um, it's reawakened my need for excitement. Now I look at these dating apps. A few times I've arranged to meet men, then backed out at the last minute. It gives me a buzz to know that I'm still desirable. My partner would be shattered if he found out what I was getting up to. He's a lovely guy and works hard to provide for me and our daughter. Um, so is it that just your boyfriend's not giving you enough attention? Is that what it is? He tried to pull it on him. I mean, he's had a long day at work, so the risk is, you know, you try to put it on him, and he's just like, I just, I just want to go to bed. And then you're going to definitely just get off your phone and get with your neighbour. Um, so maybe have a have a discussion, have a chat with him. That always makes it awkward if you're chatting about your lack of intimacy. Then it's hard to kind of just spring into intimacy from that. But... Yeah, just just rub his bo- just rub his penis, rub his boner. Look, okay, you can't force yourself onto people. Yeah, like you can't do that, and you shouldn't do it in a relationship. But as a woman, you're kind of allowed to do it to your man. <laughs> just do it. Um, right. Um, where's where's the next one? Uh. Oh, no, not that one. Um, uh, right, let's see this one. Confidence issues. I'm nervous to go on a date with online girl that went cold on me years ago. Dear Deirdre, I'm feeling a bit nervous after agreeing to go on a date. It is my first one for a while and I don't want to mess it up and embarrass myself. You can't mess up and embarrass yourself on a date. 
because if it goes badly, they'll never talk to you again. It's like a win-win. If it goes well, they'll talk to you again. If it goes badly, you stop existing to each other. You just become a story to each other. It's bad when you have to continue existing in each other's spaces. Like if you're dating someone from work, go on a terrible date, then you have to see them the next day at work. That's different. See how that's awkward? But someone you just meet in to date, it can be the worst date ever. So what? It's just a story. You tell your future partner, they tell their future partner. Or maybe you never recover from the embarrassment of the date and you stay single forever. Who knows? What I'm saying is, it's, it's win-win. Anyway, let's see. A girl I met on a dating site three years ago got back in touch again, completely out of the blue, a couple of months back. I really liked her when we were originally messaging each other, but she suddenly went cold to me. I never understood why. How many months back? Oh, three years ago. Ah, so she had a boyfriend. <laughs> there you go. That's what happened. I'm 29, she's 27. We still seem to get on well, and the messages have been flowing regularly. We have spoken on the phone a few times and talked about going on a date. I just want to be myself, but I lack confidence. Yeah, brother, just, just go on a damn date. Like, you've put her on the pedestal, and she's someone who ghosted you for three years. She's not that special. She ghosted you for three years. Even if she had a boyfriend, she could have just said, hey, I've met someone. But she decided, nah, I'm just not going to talk to you. To be fair, she might just tell you that on the date. But um, it's hard to tell someone, go get some confidence, right? But I can't see what the nervousness is coming from. Can you? Can you see where? I guess I'm, I've got confidence privilege. Being someone who's confident, I am not phased by something like that. So yeah, man, just um, just meet the damn girl. Anyway, let's see. Um, uh, ooh. Right. Next one. I want to reveal three-year affair as I can't handle her husband raising my kid. Jesus. Dear Deirdre, I've been having the hottest affair with a married woman for three years and her husband doesn't know the baby they are bringing up is actually mine. Jesus. See, this is the risk of, like, interracial uh, dating, cheating, you know, mess. <laughs> like, if you're a white couple and, and the woman steps out of a black guy, and that baby comes looking brown. Or vice versa, you know, just, you know what I mean. You know, you're, you're a mixed race couple. You're a mixed race couple. Guy's white. The woman's uh, woman's white, guy's black. She steps up, a white guy. Baby comes up, what? It's just like, oh. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Because at the end of the day, if you've got no reason to suspect cheating or foul play, then a kid not looking like you, it's kind of just like, eh. They look like, they look like their mum, I guess. That's <laughs> That's what you just think as a guy. Like, you wouldn't think anything of it. Like, I wonder how many guys, what percentage of guys out there are, are raising a kid that's not theirs. Um, not knowing it. Be, be mad. You just go, yeah, well. Look nothing like me, nothing like their mum. So what, it's one of those weird things. I guess it's, I guess it becomes super clear, right, if they look nothing like you, but they look exactly like her boss from work. That means one of those ones. This is Kevin from work. He's just like, hmm, this is Kevin. K 
Kevin with ginger hair, and our kid has ginger hair, yet no one in my family, your family has ginger hair. Mmm, okay. He's like, you alright, Doug? Strong handshake. Little pat on the shoulder to go, I've smashed your wife. Um, anyway. Um, I'm starting to resent this other man acting like my child's dad, though. I'm tempted to blow the lid on it. Oh, I mean, he's not acting like your child's dad. He, he thinks he is. He's not just there winding you up. Um, I'm married. I'm married and I'm 43. My wife is 39. We have two daughters, aged 10 and 8. So you've got to blow up two families here. My lover is 35. She has two children, aged 7 and 5, as well as our baby. Jesus. We went through... We met for our local rugby club. She works behind the bar there and is gorgeous. Um, there was a huge storm one night, so I offered to walk her home. We were holding on tight to each other to battle through the wind and rain. It weren't that stormy. This guy is making it sound like he's Wuthering Heights going on. Like, it weren't that stormy. I admitted I enjoyed holding on close and she answered with a passionate kiss. From then on, I would often pick her up and we would drive somewhere secluded. We'd either have sex on the back seat of the car or out in the open. Um, mad. How can you go from stormy nights to having sex outside? What, what, what kind of weather conditions are these? But, uh, but here's the thing, though. Um, <laughs> having sex in the car, like, you got kids. They're sat in the back of the car, like, Daddy, why is the seat wet? What? Um, what's this balloon? Okay, don't touch that. Uh, when she said she was pregnant, we were throwing. Uh, she was on the pill. She insisted she could never end a pregnancy and it was a huge relief when she explained that she didn't want to tell her husband about me. Whew. We continued our affair even when she was heavily pregnant. That is mad because that kid may not necessarily be yours either. Um, but once she had the child, it went quiet for six months. She later told me she was trying to wean herself off me but missed me too much. Uh, the first time we got together again, was when the child was eight months old. I was stunned when she showed me a photo of him. He's a carbon copy of me. I'd always wanted a son, and something hit me hard when I saw the photo. Ah, Jesus. Come on, mate. You're not a Greek or Roman. I want a son, an heir. Just, just, just stop it. Right, uh, but then if you are the father of the child... But if... this you not leave the child fatherless. He's got a lovely father there. <laughs> yeah, it's not his actual father, but it's a lovely family. Don't, don't mess that up. My lover still insists keeping the secret is best for everyone. It's best for her. Um, and although my sex life is boring with my wife, I love her and would never want to hurt her. What can I do? Just be a really cool uncle dad. Yeah, just be uncle dad. Be present in the kid's life. You know? Real uncle dad. You can even leave him something in the will because, you know, you're all dead. As you're dying, you can just leave the mess behind. And, um... That's what you do. Just be Uncle Dad. That is my advice. Okay. <laughs> and that's the best way to do it. There's probably a few Uncle Dads out there, right? A few Uncle Dads who are just... He knows. He knows he's the dad of the kid. He likes hanging out with his single mum. He slightly knows. She knows. That's why he's hanging out. He wants a family, but he doesn't know how to do it. So Uncle Dad... Anyway, people, that is the end of the pod. Uh, what's going on next week? I'm hosting Leicester Square Theatre New Comedian of the Year Heat on Friday. And uh, that's it for this week. What's going on? Um, yeah, all right, people. Peace. <laughs>